0: All right, everybody, welcome back to the Millennial Sales Podcast, episode 289. I'm your host, Tommy Tahoe Alemo. This is a show where young salespeople go to get better. Let's call a spade a spade. I have no voice today. It's at my cousin's wedding all weekend, so we're going to keep this intro real crisp and real tight. Uh, i got Arthur Castillo on the show today. This is a repost from the Pavilion Podcast, which I also host Um, This was such a good episode that I had to share it with y'all. Also, Arthur is uh, a former, very successful AE at multiple companies, including Chili Piper. He recently made the leap over to field marketing and community over at Chili Piper. And so we talk about that. We talk about Arthur's path, how he got into sales, what made him successful, why he launched into the marketing world, and what he just launched, uh, the Revenue Arrow, which is a community specific for uh, field marketers. Uh, so, I think you're really going to enjoy this episode. I love talking to Arthur and I love hearing about people's different paths that they take. That if you don't necessarily want to follow the SDR to AE to VPS sales kind of normal quote unquote track, there's a lot of people out there doing it differently, like we talked about with Zoe Hartsfield two weeks ago and like we'll continue to talk about. So, without further ado, Let's just get away from my raspy voice and into my conversation with Arthur Castillo. Let's go.
1: All right, Arthur Castillo coming in hot from, I don't know where he's calling in from, in the COVID world and in the remote uh, environment that Chili Piper encourages. Uh,
2: but welcome to the show, Arthur. Where are you coming from? Thank you so much, Tom. I am calling in from Toronto, Canada. So. Definitely spicy with Chili Piper, not uh, not too hot right now in Canada, though. Shout out to Toronto. I I feel like I always
1: hear amazing things about Toronto, and specifically, I'm a basketball fan, so I okay. listen to some basketball podcasts and stuff, like, you know, ex-players, and they always seem to mention Toronto as being, like, one of the hot cities, like, that they would go out and, like, party in,
2: and, like, it was a lot of fun. Is that, I, I mean, is that a thing? Is that true? I mean, maybe not now, but it's funny you mention that. I I've always heard um, Charles Barkley mention like Toronto's my favorite city in North America, and yeah, I've I've noticed a lot of NBA players do uh, tend to gravitate towards Toronto. Maybe not playing for us. Um,
1: yeah, yeah, well, that yeah, still.
2: Kidding. I mean, Kawhi he got he brought us a championship, but uh, left right away. So I don't know if it was the cold or whatnot, but yeah, it's a it's a great city, man. And have have you ever been yourself?
1: No, I I haven't. I went to. Uh... Quebec once and like a field trip in middle school, but that's the only time I've been to Canada. So it's, it's, uh, I got to check it out more.
2: Yeah, man. Next time you're, uh, next time you're here, you got to you got a place to stay.
1: (laughs) I love it. Um, well, we got a lot of, a lot of good stuff to get into. Um, you made such a unique, uh, career change. Um, you know, while you've been at Chili Piper that I want to get into and and you have some, some interesting thoughts on why that is, but maybe you could just kind of lay out, um, you started off in sales as an AE at multiple mm-hmm. places, so maybe you could just walk us through like, you know, the first few kind of like you know, why you got into sales uh, and then you know, when it kind of came into your mind that maybe you know, being an AE or being in sales wasn't the right fit for you uh, for the rest of your career, you kind of saw an opportunity to head over towards the marketing world.
2: Yeah, let's, uh, let's start there. So coming out of university, I actually studied international development of all things And my parents were freaking me out, being like, what the heck are you going to do with that? How are you going to make any money? I was like, that's a good point. And at the time, my dad had actually just switched over from being an electrical engineer to selling to electrical engineers. And he was like, make better money than I ever did in engineering. I'm in control of my schedule. I think he'd be really good at it. So decided to uh, to check out sales, but in a non-traditional role where my first one was actually a financial planner which was very interesting in that most of the financial planning playbook was, hey, let me manage my uncle's and aunt's money and all my my family, right? <laughs> and that kind of helps you at the beginning. Unfortunately for me, I have no family in Canada. Um, all mm. my family lives in, in Cuba or Russia, so I had to go cold. I, I really had to like prospect outbound and as a 22-year-old kid asking somebody to to manage their finances – not, uh, not the best pitch. So I had to really understand like where I could, um, find my footing there. Eventually went into like group benefits and then through group benefits would actually set up like individual financial plans. And that's what kept me afloat for a little bit. I happen to be coaching soccer with, um, I believe he was employee number 13 at Vidyard, Carl Ortmans. And we are just discussing sales. We were both in sales and at the time, I literally thought every sale had to be done like handshake. Like that's yeah. how you would sign off on sales face to face. Yep. This is a deal. And he starts telling me about Vidyard and a lot of their customers are in California. I'm like, oh, you must travel a lot. He's like, no, not really. Like just over the phone or, or through video. It's like, that's how you close deals. It literally blew my mind. And that was kind <laughs> of my, my first introduction into tech. So I think it was like three months after I, I got my first role as an SDR Quickly climbed the ranks, um, and yeah, have really been an AE ever since. have Have worked at a couple of these tech companies, um, and that's kind of kind of what got me into sales. But yeah, really, probably like most people, just trying to trying to find their footing, not really sure how what they studied in university was going to apply to the real world, and and did have a lot of debt that I wanted to pay off. So figured that was a, a good place to start in sales.
1: Yeah, it definitely is. It definitely is, and you know, oftentimes you see. I think more frequently SDRs that get promoted, you know, the obvious path is to go be an AE. But I think more and more Mm. you're starting to see them go into marketing, into customer success, into, you know, data science, whatever the other, uh, you know, other fields might be, which is great. You have a lot of options. You don't as frequently see AEs that have been successful for, you know, multiple companies over multiple years make the turn over to marketing or or specifically field marketing. So I'd love to hear, you know, what was kind of the impetus to that?
2: Yeah, this is, um, it it is a rare switch and I I definitely would be interested to see if anybody else has made it. But for myself, it actually started with a a coffee chat with our director of demand gen. So we have this at Chili Piper where I think every week or every two weeks, you just get matched up with somebody new. I got matched up with her. And I remember at the time thinking like, oh, this is great. I think her LinkedIn was getting a lot more traction. I wanted to do a little bit more on LinkedIn. I was like, I'm going to ask her like all these questions, understand her, her marketing plan, her playbook, all of this. And we hop on and it's the complete opposite. She wants to understand how I'm doing LinkedIn because she thinks I'm killing it. So Mm. I was like, okay, this is, this is interesting. So we kind of went back and forth, geeked out and she realized I had a huge passion for marketing. I was like, oh yeah, like outside of nine to five, like this is stuff I would love to study, go on podcasts, um, or listen to podcasts around marketing and things like that, but never really thought that my skill set would be transferable to marketing. And I think after that call, she's like, oh, I'm going to talk to the VP of sales, maybe steal 10 to 20% of your time for some of these, um these activities that I have in mind of, of, how we can use you. And then over the next, I'd say three months, it pretty much just became a full on recruiting effort. Um, yeah. and there was like <laughs> other departments in marketing being like, Oh no, no, I think he'd be a better fit in mine. And it got to the point where when I finally made the decision, like, yes, this is something I want to interview on, um, and, and kind of plead my case as to why, how I think I'd, I'd make an impact in marketing more than I have in sales um our ceo by the time we 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 talked he was like okay so i don't know if you know this but literally every marketing position that we have open your name has been brought up like what do you want to <laughs> do <laughs> so it was um
1: that's good internal branding right there
2: seriously right yeah it was it was cool other people were were fighting on my behalf and and it was interesting too cuz i i was still at this stage where i was like why are they so sure I'm going to be a good marketer? Like I I think I've proven myself out in sales. Um, fun fact that I haven't shared with a lot of people. I, in my last month transitioning from, from sales to marketing, I almost broke the monthly MRR record for close one revenue. So that was, <laughs> that was a pretty cool sign off. That was my last, uh, quote a, a month. month. Drop. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, yeah, it, it just felt like they, they saw something in me and clearly what I was doing on LinkedIn. And they said, OK, I think we can use your skill set here in marketing. Um, but we didn't really know what department it was going to be in. And they knew I was like pretty active on social and in these communities. And as luck would have it, um, the only guy I saw posting about field marketing was Nick Bennett. So hmm. I started messaging him and kind of letting him know, hey, by the way, my marketing team's kind of recruiting me tell me a little bit more about field marketing, because I think this might be a good fit for, for my skill set and where we're at. So he told me a little bit more of like where he saw field marketing progressing, and, and it really lined up to it. Um, I think how he phrased it was like, you're almost the quarterback of the sales team, and you're really in the trenches with them. You understand the buyer, you're putting together different events or or ways to accelerate that revenue. And I was like, perfect. I know sales. I don't know marketing as much, but maybe if we put me in this role, like it would be easy to to transition to so that's where we kind of settled but we always knew it wasn't necessarily traditional field marketing and that i still did have a lot of this community involvement i've built up a good network um it was almost like an evangelist type of role because even as i i was now in field marketing and looking to sponsor events when we're looking for speaking opportunities they would typically tell me hey we're looking for a director level plus and somebody that knows how to sell Chili Piper. And not a lot of people at our company, um, believe it or not, are like able to do that. So that's where I, I kind of see this unique um, mix of skills and that technically what I'm doing is field marketing and, and doing that, but I think overall, it's more of how do we put maybe Arthur in a position where he can describe the value of a Chili Piper and and get people to, understand a little bit more of what we do. Um, I, I kind of looked at it across the universal buyer's journey where we start off unaware, then we go to where consideration, evaluation, negotiation in sales. Ideally you're working on those last three stages, right? From consideration all the way through to negotiation. But I think now the way I'm looking at my role is really almost creating a mini funnel from unaware to aware. Mm -hmm. I think we have this, uh, this relevancy problem. With chili piper because every time I, I talk to somebody about chili Piper, they're like oh yeah we see you everywhere in these communities you guys are like a scheduling tool or something right and that's where the the relevancy piece drops off where right they're kind of lumping us into this category so that's kind of what i uh, what i'm focused on here is like really trying to build out this mini funnel of getting people from unaware to where and how chili piper becomes a little bit more relevant so no we went all over the place there but uh yeah, that's kind of how the transition happened from A to to field marketer.
1: I got to ask, how was that first month? Or, were you on a monthly quota or a quarterly quota? I was on a monthly quota. Well, how was that first month once you went into marketing and you didn't have a number hanging over your head for the first time in your career?
2: Probably felt pretty good. It it that's it's a great question because I was looking forward to it. Believe it or not, I I was definitely like and I know um Lal talks about this too of like even psych- psychologically it's not really lined up to motivate a sales rep from maybe hitting quota of the, the the past month and first and month hits hey you're a zero now like what 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 have you done for me this month so it was really nice not to have that pressure but believe it or not after that first month i felt lost without it it mm. was like, how, how am I measuring my impact? And it was so immediate in the close one revenue. So it was like, oh, it was a brush, breath of fresh air that first month. But after I was like, how the heck am I measuring my impact to the, the company's bottom line and revenue? It was so easy to do as a sales rep. And I, I realized like it almost created this urgency from month to month that slowly started shifting away when I, when I switched over to marketing because we didn't have that monthly quota. Now we're... We're still tied to revenue more on a quarterly basis, but it was definitely, definitely an interesting change. Because at first, I was like, "This is going to be amazing," and then at some point, I, I felt lost without it.
1: Yeah. So, how did you, how did you make up for that? Like, I know it sounds like you have a quarterly number uh, that you're trying to, you know, revenue you're trying to impact or maybe pipeline. But how did you, how did you get yourself out of that and like maybe find other leading indicators or other like shorter term goals that can help keep you on track and there's kind of like that dopamine part too where you're like all right my number for the quarters 100k you know i'm i'm at 80k like i'm 80 percent okay like i it's it's very tangible it's very like i know what i gotta do to get there whereas it it, i've never been a marketer but it, it feels a little less tangible sometimes um so i'm curious how you have broken that down Yeah,
2: um, I think at the beginning, really, there was no field marketing program. So we didn't even have like baseline numbers to measure off. Anything I was doing was already adding towards like, yes, we need somebody to to do this. So I think that was maybe not as much as like the numbers, but I knew that there was a lot of building that needed to happen. So I wasn't necessarily going to tie myself to like, hey, how quickly am I? Going to see revenue impact um, in this new role. The other interesting piece that my manager actually called me out on was he he said I was really looking at this role through a sales mentality. And what he meant by that was that dopamine that you just described, that glory feeling of closing a sale. I wanted to show ways in which I was impacting the the funnel in this this role. So I would try and like take credit for like, hey, yeah, that was my deal. Like I sourced that this and that, and he's like that's good that you're doing it, but you have to start thinking about your role a little differently. Your role is really to find out what works and test a bunch of these different things. And once you find that, you pass it off to the right team for them to really go on and you're on to that next project. So Mm -hmm. it's not about, hey, look at the impact Arthur's making. It's, hey, he found something. How do I quickly scale this to, to the next team, whether it's SDRs or product feedback or whatever that is. So it's, uh, it's been an interesting change, man. I feel like really now, I think it's month seven or eight, I'm, I'm slowly starting to come into my role. Um, I guess there is a ramping period. I, I was curious about that too, because I knew what sales ramp looked like, but I'm like, how do I know when I've officially ramped in marketing? And I don't know what it is, but at some point, I just started feeling a little bit more confident in it, maybe calling myself a marketer and making these decisions, whereas before I was like, I have no idea what I'm doing um so to answer your question i think it was like more of an internal feeling um over time once we built out that playbook i knew really what um my money making activities were and really where i should where i could make the biggest difference and impact on that top of funnel bottom of funnel um pipeline for chili piper and that's what i'm starting to like measure against so it's more of these mm-hmm. bigger bets that we're placing in person dinners um creating a, this funnel between unaware to aware and driving mm. people to that that i guess are more or less my north stars now in field marketing
1: yeah i'd love to hear you talk a little bit more um for people that are either in this role or considering this role yeah first of all i feel like i'm pretty uh oblivious but it, it feels like uh you know companies that I used to sell to, I used to sell to marketers um, Mm -hmm. that were in like the hardware or like more legacy, like security type of companies, like they always had field marketing. And it doesn't feel like a lot of SaaS companies do, or maybe SaaS startups do. And so maybe someone's hearing this and saying, Oh, shoot, like, we could do this. Um, And if that's the case, like, I'm curious if you could share any, any, any of like the the past plays that you've ran or some of the first things that you you tried whether they worked or didn't um that helped to to drive pipeline like some of those AB tests that you've done
2: yeah i think at the beginning um we we kind of made the bet that we didn't have a big enough audience to really host a lot of our own events or um webinars and things like that. So a lot of what I did, and this is now I'm starting to realize this is probably what they had planned the whole time was using my community relationships and and activating those communities or using my sales skills to actually establish co-marketing initiatives with other companies that we thought had a similar ICP and we could go to market with. So a lot of the seven, eight months that I've been been working here so far um, has been almost in a sense networking because what I realized is like, I don't wanna put myself up on stage every single time. That's gonna be boring. I also don't wanna create events in that we're just talking about how great Chili Piper is and check out this feature here and there. I wanted to really address a problem and say, this is what we're seeing in the industry. This is the status quo. This is how people are handling it today and this is a potentially better way of how we could do that. And ideally rather than us say it and say hey we're chili piper employees, have our customers say that. Um and and talk about the problems they were they were having before chili piper and maybe what that looks like now and what they're able to do. So a lot of it was simply like building relationships which helped a lot with that sales skill set right of like I'm not afraid to reach out to someone and say, Hey, by the way, I'm seeing alignment here. Like would love to discuss co-marketing initiatives. And that's something I've noticed here in marketing is like marketers love that. Like they are so down to hop on a call and be like, yeah, let's brainstorm. Like, think of this idea. That's funny. You like reached out to me. I was thinking about Chili Piper in this way. I want to share with you something. So they're very collaborative, but I think it's maybe taking that first step and saying, hey, by the way, I love what you're doing. I would like love to do something here with you. And maybe that's the, the prospecting skills, right? From sales that mm-hmm. to me, it's it's like second nature. But I know in speaking with other marketers, they're like, how do you just approach people like that? Like, what, what do I have to offer? And to me, it's like asking you shall receive. The worst they can say is no, right? Or like, ignore you. Cool, I'm on to the next partner that I think could be a good fit. So that's more philosophically of like what we're doing um i think in terms of like a b tests what we try to understand is we've done a lot of community work um a lot of sponsored events could we identify out of all of these communities where we believe chili pipers icp fits um and how much kind of revenue are we extracting from that community so it's almost like let's try a bunch of these things up until now to really hone in on okay it seems our our target buyer really sits in these three communities. How do we do more with those three communities compared to maybe some of the other initiatives we've we've invested in?
1: Mm. So, it, in it also helps that you are in sales and you you know the ICP, you know who you're selling to, you know who the users are, um, and you know you know if you're an AE, you might go like a lot of AES go to the same communities, right? They go to the same uh, you know they're in the same Slack groups. They yeah. go to the same, you know, Thursday night sales or whatever. They listen to the same podcasts for the most part. Um, and they know who like the major thought leaders are like everyone, you know, everyone, every salesperson follows, you know, Morgan Ingram and John Barrows and SAS Like that's just, a, you know, yeah. no one doesn't. So um, being an AE probably gave you a little bit of a head start um, in saying, hey, that's who Chili Piper's users are, you know, the. You know the, the buyer is probably the VP of sales or whomever it might be, and you know who that is and you know where they live, and, and that probably gives you a bit of a head start to get in there. Um, you mentioned earlier that you know there's kind of like I forget the terms you use, but there is like the unaware to aware or whatever mm-hmm. exactly that funnel, and that when people hear Chili Piper, because you are everywhere, like I, I see you <laughs> similarly to. Like what people say about, you know, Gong is like, yeah I just see you guys freaking everywhere. And I, I, I feel like that is the same with you whenever I go on LinkedIn. Um, for people that maybe have seen you uh, and don't maybe know what Chili Piper does, do you want to just maybe give us a quick like rundown of of what exactly the problems that you solve are?
2: Yeah, yeah. And I actually want to circle back to what you said, like the ideal buyer's VP of sales. Um, I think this is what we went to market with, thinking mm-hmm. sales was our buyer And over time, we realized they they weren't maybe as open to the idea. So Hmm. what had started, what we noticed when we were approaching sales leaders is they would look at their outbound and inbound pipelines, but relative to each other. So on outbound, maybe they were converting 1% to 3%. In inbound, they're converting at 40%. And they were saying, yeah, compared to outbound, this is way better. But this is really the biggest issue that I think Chili Piper solves in that, okay, that's only 40% of the people that have literally raised their hands and said, yes, I want to demo or I want to speak to sales. You're missing out on 50 to 60% of people that raise their hand. They never oh. get to that first meeting. So we thought sales wanted to solve this problem. But again, I think that relative how they looked at the inbound and what they were converting at compared to outbound, they were happy with it. So what happened was it was actually the marketer that became the champion for Chili Piper. I'm sure you've read all these speed to lead hey the quicker you respond the better experience yep. um, we've also seen like 50 percent of the time the vendor that responds first is who wins the deal so simply yep. by being first to that you can actually influence how that prospect maybe is going to look at this problem um, on average they do submit three demo requests um, every time they kind of go inbound to to check out a product so you're going to have natural competition there um, just in terms of who they're scoping out. But I think one of the biggest competitions, I guess, that that marketing had was sales was kind of slow to the punch in terms of this is a hot lead. They've raised their hands. Maybe it didn't get routed in time. Maybe, maybe uh, in B2B, I think now it's like 42 hours, the average first contact to an inbound lead, which is just insane. It's like going to a mall, being like, Hey, I want to buy a pair of jeans and then somebody stands in front of me being like, that's great. Come back two days from now. Do you have budget? I'm like, yeah, I do. Like what's going on here? Like, I just want to buy these pair of jeans. So that's really the buying state of B2B today where 40% of only 40% of inbound demo requests get converted to a first meeting, meaning mm. that you have a pretty big leaky funnel and these are, ideally people that have self-qualified, self-identified. Um, I know Gartner and Forrester are now saying like, by the time they requested a demo, they're more educated than, than they ever have been, right? They've maybe yep. scoped out the problem. They have that buying committee. They've looked out for budget only for them to then request a demo. And that first call is what an SDR being like, Hey, by the way, Are you the authority on this? Do you have budget? What's your timeline? It's like, come on, I'm so further down funnel that this can't be my first experience. And what we've noticed is there's so much resistance at that top of funnel for people that want to check out your product or maybe even buy from you. But we're putting so many gates in front, maybe the over segmentation of sales that we're really making it hard for them to buy. And as much as they like your product, as much as they've read Gong's data, they're not going to jump through hoops just to buy it. Yep. So I think that's the, the biggest problem we solve here at Chili Piper. And we went to market thinking it was sales is going to love this, but it was actually the marketer being like, I think our conversion rates are tanking because we're not getting to that buyer quick enough.
1: Mm. I love it. Uh, I am a I'm a proud user. Uh, I think I said before we started, know a lot of folks over uh, at Chili Piper and, and have a lot of respect and, and love the product. So this is not a pitch. It's not a paid ad. Uh, it's just... I'm just... <laughs> giving some love uh, where it's due. Um, Arthur, I'd love to to switch gears for a little bit and, and have you. I saw some uh, some LinkedIn posts and whatnot about a, a new uh, project you're working on called mm-hmm. Revenue Era. Uh, I think it's you and Nick Bennett, and maybe there's others involved. Um, I'd say I know probably like one sentence worth of what it is, but I'd love for you to, to uh, kind of break down what it is that you guys are working on.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I think... Um... Maybe, maybe to stick with the story, I can give a little context into how, how it came about. So part of the reason why I wanted to, well, obviously my company self-identified my skill set in marketing, but I think I did always have aspirations to, to switch over and have been religiously listening to guys like Chris Walker and, and how they see the state of B2B. And I think with the rise of communities like revenue era, like pavilion, um, And even the way people are using LinkedIn today, I'd say like six, seven years ago was pretty much a digital resume and I would only sign on if I wanted to, if I was looking for a job. Now it's actually a community of peers. I can message people. I can say, Tom, I saw you hit 140% quota last year. Like what the heck was your playbook? And we can actually have an exchange, a valuable exchange. Uh, Maybe even in that exchange, you tell me, hey, these three tools helped me so much in achieving that. And I didn't even know about that. Mm. So a lot of the buyer journey is actually starting in these communities, in peers. That's the first step we're going to look before we would even search Google. So I think like the evolution of how people are buying is really starting to change, especially with the rise of communities and having access to your peers. I'm trusting you more and saying, hey, I'm coming across this challenge. How have you done it? From there, I'm getting my short list, moving into it. So- I noticed this and I thought, okay, in five years time as a sales rep, if these conversations are going to be going on in communities amongst peers, how do I somehow bring value to that rather than being like, oh, we solved that problem at Chili Piper. How do I say, hey, that's really interesting. I know somebody else that came across that and I'm just becoming a valued member. And I realized if that's how people are now starting to look at solving problems, I can't outbound isn't going to be as effective. We've seen the declining rates of outbound as well. And I think eventually we're going to get to a point where like, I don't want to say it, it's never going to work, but a sales team is pretty expensive to manage, right? And we really do have to look at like, okay, if we're investing more in that, what's the what's the outcome? So I think what I, what I saw, and I think guys like Chris Walker would say as well is Marketing now is going to have more of an impact in terms of getting people into that buying stage and getting them from unaware to aware and thinking about the status quo and saying, maybe there is a better way to do this. And as I, as I mentioned to you earlier, part of, as I was discussing this, this uh, switch, was reaching out to Nick Bennett, um, who I consider the godfather of field marketing, and, and just <laughs> talking through what I'm, what I'm seeing. So we started to develop a relationship there and um it led to us meeting i think monthly or something like that and and we would always talk about kind of what we're talking about here the rise of communities nick happened to have a monthly field marketing meetup that was so useful to me in like those initial months of like what the heck are other field marketers working on and he happened to mention to me that the person he he was working on it with they got a job for like a vc company and they no longer can help out with that. So I'm starting to think, okay, there's, there's an opportunity there. And, um, we were just talking about like communities and personal brands and how to monetize that. And, and we got to a point where like, man, we know there's his field marketing meetup. Wasn't necessarily there. There's another field marketing, um, Slack group that apparently even the founders weren't actively engaged in. Mm-hmm. And we're like, maybe there's an opportunity for us to kind of move into the space, maybe not necessarily for field marketers, but this new age of marketers that we know driving leads isn't enough. We really have to start driving revenue. And um, if we're going to work on that sales and marketing alignment, we have to be tied to the same KPIs and we can't just give sales a bunch of BS. So it really started through that conversation and, and we're saying like, is there a space for for marketers that are tied to revenue, to actually share amongst each other some of the playbooks they're using, what what they're working on, some of the challenges, um, and really that's kind of how it how it happened. I think I was like Nick, I love this. Let me uh, let me come up with some ideas. I'm going to send it to you over the weekend, and he was like, dude, this is awesome. Let's let's launch a community, and um, yeah, we got Joel Premack in there as well, and. We've we've only really done a soft launch so far, but it's been amazing to see the need for something like this. I think we had over 250 marketers apply. Um, we've already posted 100 job boards of people looking for revenue marketing roles, and we haven't really officially opened the Slack community yet. So that is that is coming down the line, but that's I guess for myself how I saw the the future of revenue and maybe marketing having a little bit more influence on that buyer's journey. And then happen to come across guys like Nick and Joel that were on that same wavelength. And we said, Hey, how do we cre- create a community for other people knowing that this is going to be the future of marketing and get people away from MQLs and leads and actually driving revenue.
1: Yeah. I love it. What's the, um, so there, so it sounds like there's like an application process and then, um, soon to be a, mm-hmm. a Slack group. Are you planning to do other things like, uh, anything like events or any other types of content or or what's kind of the vision for, for it all?
2: Yeah. I, I love all those things you mentioned. We definitely do want to get down to a point. Um, And what's nice is that you can kind of see, especially in this past, um, this past year, switching over to marketing, being a part of some of these communities, what you like and what you don't like. And I think just creating spaces for, peers to discuss some of the challenges they have, we're definitely going to bring back like a monthly meetup where people can show and tell like things they're working on or bring up challenges. Um, I know in field marketing, specifically, that was a huge shift because you you did mention earlier, like traditionally, it, it is very boots on the ground. Now this past two and two years and a bit like everything has had transformed to digital. So even giving marketers more ammo more ideas of hey this transition is happening how do we get ahead of the curve um so yeah monthly meetups uh we we're bringing in some cool um perks for our members to really kind of learn about from the best of the best um abm courses different things like that so yeah i think monthly meetups hopefully once uh, things start getting better in person and I, I, I really do like the one-to-one. I think um, what a lot of these communities, I'm super grateful for, uh, for communities like Pavilion, is finding a mentor. I think mm. it's like, it it really is a career hack to find a mentor. Um, so hopefully finding ways in which we can pair members up and have some of the more senior ones kind of bring along the, the up-and-comers and maybe they learn a thing or two along the way, but... That's how we're really looking at just creating a space for people and and maybe hosting a little bit more intimate events where we can actually have a, a good knowledge share amongst members.
1: I love it. I love it, um, Arthur. I want to uh, get to our last piece here, which is going to be a couple rapid fire questions. Uh, if you all ready right, let's do it. it. Let's do it. All right. So you mentioned um, earlier you would you would spend a lot of time while you were in sales, you'd spend time outside the nine to five. You know, studying marketing and and things like that. We're big learners mm-hmm. on the pod here. Curious, any books that have been uh, game changers for you? They could be business or marketing related. They could be a completely other genre, but anything stand out to you?
2: The one of the most recent ones I read um, by Sangram over at Terminus, the Move Framework. Mm -hmm. That was so fascinating to me, and I think like that is really a peek into aligning all of the revenue engine from marketing to sales to CS. He Mm -hmm. laid out like frameworks and how to go about that. Definitely a must read for I think anybody in a revenue role.
1: Love it. He puts out great. I mean, he's been a a thought leader for a long time over there. Um, Yeah, yeah. That's a great one. How about um, podcasts, YouTube, people you follow on LinkedIn? newsletters, whatever you like, whatever, I guess, format you like to learn in outside of books, like any uh, people or, or uh, things stand out from there.
2: Yeah. Um, I think the guy that I really am making a ton of time to love the insights, try to attend his Tuesday night demand gen live and listen to his podcast is Chris Walker. I, I really do believe he's probably the, the best in the game right now when it comes to marketing and, and getting a lot of these companies to think differently. Um, he, he was a pretty big inspiration in how I was looking at the sales to, to marketing switch and understanding that, hey, marketing can actually have more of an impact than than people realize. Um, so yeah, cannot recommend him enough. Awesome. What's
1: going on in the Arthur Casillo headphones on Spotify or Apple Music or wherever you listen to tunes? What's playing?
2: Dude... Um, I'll tell you what I was kind of listening to get pumped up for this. I was listening to "You and Me" by Flume. I don't know, like, I, it's an older <laughs> song, but I was just like, man, really vibe into it. Um, huge fan of J. Cole. I think anything J. Cole oh, yeah. touches is just incredible. Um, yeah, so those are, those are the couple of things that come to mind.
1: Did you see the the mini? Speaking of marketing, did you see the mini like documentary that he put
2: out before his last album? No, dude. Are you kidding what? me? I'm gonna, I have to go check it out like right so, after this. Then.
1: It's like, uh, I don't, it's short. It's like 20 minutes maybe on YouTube. And uh, it's like, it shows, you know, the process of him writing the album, you know, where he's ah, like, that's... kind of, he feels like he's in a rut. And then he's like, you know, he's down, you know, uh, in the studio at his house and he's shooting hoops because he was a big basketball player. It's so like, mm-hmm. got all this stuff. It's, it's great. It, it like, it was kind of like a pump up if you're, uh, if you're into any sort of like creative work, it was,
2: uh, yeah. I really enjoyed it. Oh man, definitely going to add it. I have to watch it today. So thank you for recommending that.
1: <laughs> you got to check that one out. Um, all right, cool. So we got those mapped out. What's your number one uh, networking tip?
2: Number one networking tip is ask and you shall receive. I don't think mm. people have even understood the power of LinkedIn. I've spoken to authors of books I read and... I never would have thought I, I would have like a one to one conversation. In fact, I'm now that I'm in marketing, I'm potentially even looking to do business with them. So, I think it's always so fascinating to me, um, an up and comer in the industry, if you will, of like when I reach out to these people, how available they're making themselves to be, and they really do want to help um, help you out. So, I think people really put a huge barrier in saying like, why why would that person ever talk to me, or why would they even respond? I'm just getting started on LinkedIn, maybe I have 500 followers, like I'm a nobody. But I think if you surround yourself with the right people um, and you make it clear as to why you're reaching out, there's a lot of people out there that that want to help. So ask and you shall receive. Definitely go out and, and message someone, someone you've been meaning to message and I think you'll be happy, happily surprised.
1: Shoot or shoot. There you go. As they say. <laughs> um, all right, my last question for you, Arthur. Who... Would you want to see come on the Pavilion podcast next?
2: Oh, that's a good one. Um, I don't want to give a big name because I'm sure they've probably already been on the the list. So I'll try and think of some other up and comers. Um, Ryan Scalera, amazing. I don't know if he's been on the podcast. That guy's crazy good. Uh, Jacob Greberwald, come to mind. Um, Alexine Moudouar, mm-hmm. founder of Women in Sales and um, Strategic AE at Alice. Those are all people that I learned a ton from in sales and I still continue to learn a ton from in marketing. Um, so I don't know if they've been on the podcast, but I think those would be some awesome guests for you to host.
1: I've had I've had Ryan and Alexine actually on my, my podcast, Millennial Sales. Okay. Uh, I don't know Jacob. I don't think any of the three have been on this one though. So those are all... All great, um, all great recommendations. Um, appreciate it. Uh, you know, I had to get you on that referral uh, at the end of this. <laughs> um,
2: of course, of course.
1: So I, Arthur, I appreciate you coming on. Uh, excited to hear about everything that's going on uh, with you, with Chili Piper, with Revenue Era. Uh, if folks want to learn more about all the different stuff that you've got cooking, what's the best place uh, for them to do that?
2: I think the, the best place is where really the, the journey started on LinkedIn, um, pretty active there. And as we really start to release um, and open up our, our revenue era community, definitely catch me there. And for all you revenue marketers listening to it, please apply. I would love to, to hear your feedback on that, but LinkedIn is, is definitely the best bet. People take the, what is it, do you have a price? Is there, a, what's, what's the price?
1: 10, 10 bucks or something or 20 bucks or how are you pricing for, this
2: out for revenue era yeah it's uh, free to join invite it's, only though so it's free have...
1: to join people it's free to join <laughs> I should I should have known that going in that's crazy I thought you'd be charging something per month uh, that's that's a no-brainer so everyone definitely go check hit up Arthur up on LinkedIn apply for the revenue era check it out um, him and Nick Bennett both both uh, we'll be cooking up some great stuff. So I want to give that plug. But Arthur, thank you for coming on. I appreciate it.
2: Tom, it's been a pleasure, man. You're a great interviewer. Thank you.
1: (laughs) Thanks for checking out that episode. Start of the year, let's kick some ass. Again, one of my goals for this show is to get as many subscribers uh, wherever you're listening here uh, on Apple, Spotify, YouTube, et cetera. Subscribe, leave a review, and then hit me up on uh, LinkedIn, Tom Malamo. Uh, or any of my other socials at Tommy Tahoe. Look forward to connecting with you there. Peace.